Today's episode is brought to you by science. Webster defines science as the state of knowing, knowledge as distinguished from ignorance or misunderstanding. We define science as a bunch of boring shit nerds make up to keep us from having fun. Visit scienceschmience.org to learn all about how boring science is. All right, let's turn it up. From the Florida border up to Nashville, Tennessee, this is Skinnerd Reconsidered, the only podcast where I review every Leonard Skinnerd song. I'm your host, The Simple Man. And it's so great to be here speaking with you again today, Freebirds. I feel like I haven't done this in forever. As you know, if you're listening along, I had the simple friend on, and he makes it easy. Not only is he amazing to talk to and a great and funny person, but you know, I can turn off a little bit and let him carry the show. So I was able to milk two episodes out of that one. And then our good friend Rive from Sabbath Bloody Podcast took an episode, did an amazing job with Cry for the Bad Man. So I've had kind of a break. By the way, big news from Rye, if you don't already know, he is now doing a podcast on Ozzy Osbourne called Sabbath Bloody Podcast of a Madman. I think he's got three of those out already. He's going year by year. And I love his new format. I love what he's doing there. So check out Sabbath Bloody Podcast of a Madman to learn all about Ozzy. And listen to the Deep Dive Podcast Network in general. Let's not forget about the Deep Purple Podcast. Those guys are soaring over there. Soaring. And of course we have the chairman, T-Bone. Check out T-Bone's Prime Cuts. and He's got a new project coming soon, I believe. Pretty excited about that. So all hail the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Sorry, I got distracted there for a minute. I'm actually looking at the internet while I'm doing this. I, that's a problem. I don't know why I'll stop that. But I, I just read, I don't, I don't know if this is true, but it says they've announced the all-star lineup for the Republican National Convention. And I'm not getting political. This is just, these are current events. But here's the lineup. Ted Nugent, Scott Bayo, you know, Charles in Charge, Antonio Sabato Jr., who I remember from nothing at all. I, I know the name, but I don't even know what he does. And then they've got something called Diamonds and Silk. I bet that's good. Probably a band. This can't be right. Could it? Surprised they didn't offer me. Hey, you have a Skinner podcast. You're probably one of us, and no one knows who you are. You're completely irrelevant to society. So yeah, you're perfect. Here's a Zoom link. Join us at the Republican National Convention. Are any of you guys going to be on there? Write in and let me know. Unbelievable. One of those first three Skinner concerts I've told you guys about many times, the first three concerts I saw... Back in the 80s, Ted Nugent opened for one of them. And I remember little about that show, but I remember that he shot a bow and arrow on stage. It was probably on fire or something. And I'm a nine-year-old boy at the time, and I remember thinking, 
This is pretty lame. Is this what concerts are like? Why doesn't he just play a good song? Couldn't even impress a young boy with fire and a bow and arrow. But maybe that's just me. If you listen to the bonus episode with the simple friend, he threw out a great question that I then posed on Twitter. The simple friend asked, what's the greatest Southern rock song by a band with no association with the South? He also asked to be credited, but that didn't happen. But I guess I'm doing it here right now. Thank you, simple friend. It was a big hit out there on Twitter. It got about 200 responses, which seems like a lot to me. I don't really get it. I don't know Twitter that well, but for me, it's a lot. And here's what we learned. The most common answers to the question, what's the greatest Southern rock song by a band with no association with the South, were CCR, or as you might call them, Credence Clearwater Revival. So CCR and the band. So I don't like CCR very much at all, but that's definitely a good answer. They're not from the South, and they definitely have that Southern rock sound. On the other hand, I love the band, and they do have that sound as well, you could say. There was a lot of debate on Twitter because, as I hope you know, Levon Helm, the drummer, key to the band, he's from Arkansas. That's pretty Southern, so that is not a good answer. The third most common response was Neil Young. A lot of people said Southern Man, and I, I get that. That's a good one. The fourth most common, I think, I didn't actually count this up, but just based on my reaction, the fourth most common and probably my favorite answer was Little Feet. That's a band that I love, and they do sound like Southern Rock, and they're not from the South. So a good job for the most part out there, guys. We, we did also learn that some of you don't know a thing about geography. In addition to the aforementioned issue with the band and Levon, some of you threw out a band, and then you'd say, well, I don't know if that counts because one of the guys was from Oklahoma. Oklahoma? That's not the South. And I don't know, there were some other geography mishaps, but I guess I've blocked them out. A few of you submitted Leonard Skinner's songs as your response to the best Southern rock song from a band not associated with the South. And uh, hopefully I don't have to explain to my audience here why that was not the best response. My, my grandma used to always say, it takes all kinds. And that's what she said when someone was stupid as shit, but she wanted to express that in a nice way. Hey, this world takes all kinds. Good kinds, bad kinds, smart kinds, dumb kinds. She didn't expand on it like that, but that's what she meant. It takes all kinds. I prefer the expression, we have all kinds. Not sure it actually takes all the different kinds, but I mean, I'm not going to debate my... Wonderful grandma. One of the great things about me is whenever I post one of these things and people actually respond, which is most of the time they don't care, but when they do, I try to respond to all the comments and then I act like I'm suddenly the uh, appointed expert on all things Southern Rock, all things Skinnered. So I'll tell people, oh, that's a good one, or, well, I don't know about that, or I try to be nice, but uh, it's so dumb because I don't know. Who am I? But it's fun to do it. I like to connect with people out there. Even though I have this hit podcast, I'm still very down to earth and 
very much love connecting with the common man. I'm not sure how much longer that'll last, but for now, it's a lot of fun. Today we're going to talk about a song called All I Can Do Is Write About It. It's the last song on Give Me Back My Bullets. I should have said that. This is the big finale, season four. I'm still in my pajamas. It's after seven o'clock in the p.m. where I live here in Tennessee and I'm still wearing pajamas. I took a shower last night, but haven't today. I feel kind of gross. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I did get a lot of work done today. It's just, you know, this whole quarantine situation. It's turned everything upside down. I used to shower first thing, and now who knows when that shower might come. And these pajamas are comfortable. What are you wearing? Right in, let me know. But this is the last song on Give Me Back My Bullets. And that means after this episode, we only have one album left. And I want to get something out of the way that I've been putting off for a while. I want to talk about this Artemis Pyle situation. And I actually tried to research it. Not a lot of good information out there or very trustworthy information, in, in my opinion, from what I could see. So I guess what I'm going to do is just kind of put the facts out there as I can see them, the ones that seem to be verified, hopefully avoid getting sued or killed by some Skinnerd fan. And then we can all draw our own conclusions. It's like choose your own adventure. There's nothing like that. Okay, so in 1993, Artemis Pyle was charged with attempted capital sexual battery and lewd assault on two young girls. Specifically, the charges were attempted capital sexual battery by an adult on a victim younger than 12 and being principal to lewd behavior on a child younger than 16. I'm no attorney, so I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds pretty horrible. Artemis has always denied the charges, claiming the girls perhaps had been abused, but not by him. He said the allegations were an attempt to get money from him. And then weeks before the trial was due to start, in January 1994, Artemis pleaded no contest rather than risk a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment if found guilty in a jury trial. He was sentenced to eight years probation and required to register as a sex offender. Years later, Artemis said, quote, I fought the charges for two years and went through $400,000 in legal fees. Then the week before my trial was to start, my lawyers told me they needed another hundred grand and I had no money left, end quote. So then in 2007, Artemis moves to North Carolina, Asheville, I think, and he was charged with failure to register as a sex offender after officials lost the change of address form that he apparently had sent them. This time he rejected a plea bargain offer and eventually he was acquitted by a jury in 2009. It sounds a little bit like I'm trying to defend him. I'm not. I, I don't know. The last thing I would want to be is one of these guys who likes a band, so they defend some reprehensible actions. I'm just telling you the facts. And one of those facts is that during this time, around 2007, one of the alleged victims came out to support Artemis and to say that he never committed the crime 
And this victim was Artemis's daughter, who by the time was 20 years old. I'm not going to say her name. It's all over the internet, but she was in court for much of the trial, this 2007 trial, to support her father, who she didn't meet until she was 18. Another interesting tidbit. I guess that's assuming he didn't uh, molest her. They didn't meet until she was 18. She said she never believed her father sexually assaulted her or any other child. She said, quote, If those charges were true, I wouldn't be here supporting my dad. I love him, and I know that he is a good person. End quote. She said he pleaded guilty back in the day because the state offered him probation. He was facing a potential of 25 years to life in prison, like we said before. And she also said that the allegations were a result of someone trying to get money from Artemis, just as he had said. So, I don't know, free birds. I like talking about drum fills and hi-hats, flim-flams, paradiddles. But whatever happened, whatever the truth is, just another tragic story involving Leonard Skinner. It's unbelievable. Let's get into the song for today. It's called All I Can Do Is Write About It. This one was written by Ronnie and Alan Collins. Alan co-wrote seven of the nine songs on this album, and one of them was written by J.J. Cale, so Alan contributed songwriting to all but one of the originals on this album. He really stepped it up. Ed King's absence here. Where were you, Gary? Gary wrote a few as well, and whatever. All I can do is write about it. Funny lyrics from a guy who never wrote anything down. Not funny, haha. All right, let's hear it, boys. Got an acoustic ballad here for you today, free birds. I live. Thank you, Ronnie. Ronnie asks us a few questions there. I think it'd be rude to ignore him. He says, did you ever see a she-gator protect her young? A she-gator, that's a lady gator, like with boobs and stuff, I guess. I don't know. I've never seen that, is my answer. Write in if you have seen that happen. I'd love to know more about it. Then the other question is, you ever see a, a fish in a river swimming free? I definitely have seen that. Pretty cool. 
And I've seen the hills of Carolina and the grass in Tennessee. Love them both. Guys, Ronnie hates concrete. He made that very clear back with uh, I'm a Country Boy, which our guest Nate from the Deep Purple podcast dissected. He doesn't want to see a bit of concrete in his hometown, and now he's seeing concrete creeping in. I don't know where he is. Maybe back in Jacksonville. And I get it. I'm, I'm being adorable about this, but I have the same problem here where I live. A lot of beautiful land that's being ruined by McDonald's and Walmarts and all that. And it is sad to see. I like concrete a lot more than Ronnie, but we do need to have a balance. Ronnie says, Lord, take me in mind before that comes. Before concrete covers it all up, he'd rather be out of this world. Yes. Do you like to see a young'un with his dog? I love a young'un with a dog, honestly. Did you ever stop and think about Well, you better listen to my song. And Lord, I can't make any changes. All I can Billy Powell on the keys. Alright, I like Billy Powell's solo there a lot. That was pretty. And I like this song. It's pleasant enough. Instrumentation works. I like the dobro and the mandolin on this song, but it's just kind of missing something. There's no real hook. Like a couple songs on this record, to me, just feels a little bit uninspired. That line, and Lord, I can't make any changes. I don't think this is what happened. In fact, I'm pretty certain it's not, but it feels a little bit like they turned in the record and some music label executive said, oh, hang on, boys. We like this album, but... Why is there no ballad where you address the Lord regarding whether or not you can change? Because that worked great if you think back to Freebird. So we'd really like a little more of that Lord, I can't change feel in a ballad. Maybe you guys could run back in the studio and whip that up for us. That'd be great. Thanks, guys. I'm not trying to put down no big city. 
Ronnie says, I'm not trying to put down no big cities, but the things they write about us is just a bore. This has to be the nicest thing Ronnie ever said about a big city. And I get it. I like it. I get where Ronnie's coming from. It sucks when you grow up in the South, especially the way he did. He was poor, and you feel less than maybe your whole life, and you know that all these people look down on you just because you you don't have a lot of money and you're, you live a country lifestyle. That's that's terrible. So tell it, tell it, Ronnie. You can take a boy out of old Dixieland, Lord, but you never take old Dixie from a boy. And Lord, I can't make any changes. All I can do is write them in a song. Yes, but I can't see. All right, that's all I can do is write about it by Leonard Skinnerd. Pleasant enough, didn't completely knock me over. Ronnie just wants from the Lord to not take his whiskey away and to keep an eye on that concrete. It's not too much to ask, Lord. I read that Dinosaur Jr. did a cover of this song. That's interesting. Haven't heard it. I have to admit, I like cover songs, but. Something about Skinnerd for me, I just don't want anyone else to do their songs. Even though they wrote some great songs, it's there's never a moment where I feel like this would be good if only some other band was doing a version of it. That's just not what I'm looking for with this kind of music. I want it straight from Ronnie. But it might be interesting to check that out. If you feel like it, I probably won't. I'm going to rate this song, don't worry. But before we do that... Our sponsor today is Science. Remember the rush you felt as a young child in science class when research converged with practical application to create a transcendent experience as lava flowed from a volcano you crafted with only your hands and the knowledge garnered from careful study? In that moment, you felt just a little bit closer to understanding the beautiful and vast mysteries of the world around you. Well, that was all just a bunch of bullshit propagated by the mainstream media and the liberal education system to fool you into believing science is important, therefore keeping you from having real fun, free from concern for yourself, the earth, and most of all, other human beings. Visit scienceschmience.com to learn how to finally break the shackles of boring old science and live a life based on whatever random opinions you have digested and however you feel at a particular moment. Scienceschmience.org We do the thinking so you don't have to. I kind of like the sound of that. I was skeptical at first, but I tend to overthink and I'm really tired of thinking. I mean, what good has it ever done me? So maybe I'll check into them. Let's get a little help. All right, so let's rate the song. For me, this ballad doesn't come close to those 
classic Skinner ballads, especially from the first album. But it's pleasant enough. On a scale of one to five Skinnards, I'm going to go with 3.5 Skinnards. So overall, this album had its ups and downs for me. It's definitely not my favorite Skinnard record, but there's no doubt that it's another good one. There are some really great moments. I'm glad we listened to it together. And it'll be with me for the rest of my life. I can't help but think that the fact that I didn't really know this album, I didn't know most of these songs until now, that certainly weighs in here. I don't know what it is. When you hear something for the first time when you're eight years old, it just does something to you, right? It's with you for the rest of your life. You always kind of love it, maybe more than anything else in some way, even if you don't listen to it a lot. It just has that meaning for you. And most of these songs don't have that for me, but... Just based on the music itself, I think it's a really solid album, a very good album, if not my favorite from Leonard Skinner. Before we wrap up, I want to quickly thank a few new listeners who were kind enough to write in this season and share their thoughts about the podcast and Skinner. Thank you, Patrick, Ward, Scott, Marjorie. That was a woman. We finally got a woman who wrote in and said she liked the podcast. Couldn't be more excited. Sorry, Patrick Ward, Scott, Marjorie, Andrew, Stephen, Henrik, and Melvin. You guys are unbelievable. You wrote in with great comments, and it it makes my day to get a message like these. It makes this whole thing a lot more fun, so I really do appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me, email me at skinnerdreconsidered at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter or Instagram. If you really want to help, give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I do appreciate you guys. So that wraps it up for season four and give me back my bullets. Now I'll take some undeserved time off as usual, during which time I probably will release some bonus episodes just because they're a lot of fun. I like doing those. And then it's back for the final album and we're out of here. That will be the end of Skinner Reconsidered. We are done at that point. Will that be the end of me? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I don't think I'm dying, but will that be the end of me podcasting? I don't even know yet. Wow. But tune in next season as we talk about the last Prime Skinner album with Ronnie Van Zant. It's called Street Survivors, and it brought the band back to prominence. They went out on top as they deserved. I'm all over the place today, but I've been thinking a little bit about why I decided to dedicate so much time to this. Of course, the main reason is it's a lot of fun to do. But there are several other reasons, I think. For one, I desperately need attention. Let's not count that out. Second, of course, this is for my dad. That was the primary thing on my mind in the beginning. But still, it takes a lot of time to do all these episodes, and I have a busy life, just like all of you. Let's face it, my dad's not that great. Just kidding, Dad. You're the best. But it recently occurred to me that another one of the big reasons is this. The one thing I love more than anything else is a good story. Doesn't matter if it's a movie, a book, a comedy sketch, a song. I like a good story. And the story of Skinner is just a great story. If it weren't real you'd say it was unbelievable. What? But it's just a great story, 
And like any great story, it has a perfect ending. Maybe that raised some eyebrows. But what I mean by that is it is the most fitting and logical ending for this band, for these people. Spoiler alert, some of your favorite characters die in the next season. And as sad as the whole ending is, it seems to me that it couldn't have ended any other way. So join us next season for the perfect ending to a great story. And until then, I must be traveling on. 